Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and every week I get to talk to some of the best people in the speaking business about exactly what we said. How do you become a better speaker and build a better business? And today our guest is uh, <laughs> our guest is Lori Guest. That's always getting me every single time. So Lori is a CSP and a CPAE, which is the Speaker Hall of Fame. And today we are going to talk about racking up more revenue. Hey, Lori Guest, welcome to Speakernomics. Hey, Tom, good to see you. So, Lori, let's talk about this racking up more revenue. What are your two tips for speakers to rack up more revenue? Tip number one, really analyze your superpower with a monetary measuring stick. And number two, control what you can to create the best environment for stage side selling. All right. Well, here we go, everybody. Fasten your seatbelts because Lori is pretty awesome and we're going to learn a lot. So for those of you who don't know Lori Guest, and I don't know how you could be in the speaker business and not know Lori, but she is a speaker and an author who focuses on customer service. But here's the thing. She does it differently than anybody I have ever seen. She looks at things through a fresh set of eyes. She always looks for new angles and new points of view. And with Lori Guest, you're never going to get the same thing twice because she has amazing creativity. So, Lori, I want to jump into this idea of racking up more revenue, but today we're not going to talk about like stage side selling of more speeches or of coaching or of consulting or selling books. You're kind of starting to look at this differently. So, what do you mean by racking up more revenue when we're not talking about books, coaching, consulting, etc.? Well, for me, the pandemic taught me a very valuable lesson that I had not realized before. Here it is. Are you ready? I'm ready. I don't really enjoy travel. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the work. I enjoyed the people. I really enjoyed the creativity and closing the sale. But the actual physically being gone so often was really wearing me out. And I didn't realize it until I was given a guilt-free break. And all of us at the exact same time period had the exact same calendar, zero for a period of time. <laughs> and it was during that period of time that I went, wow, there's a whole different life that I'd forgotten about, which is a life at home. So the shortest answer to your question is, as we have come back uh, and the business is taking off again, I don't want to be as scrappy 
in the second half of my time in this business. I still want to make great revenue, but I don't necessarily want it to be on just your traditional spin business where it's book another speech or sell more product back in room. I needed to find other ways to match income each speech without necessarily having to spin a new piece of business. So the best metaphor I can give you and why I call it racking up more revenue is that I had a pool table when I was a kid in our house. And uh, my brother, who's 12 years older, taught me how to play pool really early on. And just like with most games, and you know, I'm a gamer, I love my sports and I love my board games. Almost every game has a strategy of thinking ahead of where you're at. So in billiards, my brother taught me really early on that where the cue ball ends up for your next shot is almost as valuable as you making the shot in the first place. And I wasn't doing enough of that in the last decade of my business. I was working hard, but I wasn't spending enough time positioning the cue ball for the next creative sale. And I knew that I had the ability to do that, but I had to put a stop in my calendar to make that happen. Well, we all had a stop in our calendar. So I was able to take advantage of that and start putting some cue balls in place. So I love the fact that you said that with every speech, you want to try to match the revenue of that speech. But most of us who are in this business think that means, you know, stage side selling, sell another speech. You're talking about doing something very, very different. So let's give a little bit of a, of a, of a hint of what you mean different. Then we're going to jump into your tips. Okay, great. Well, because I never had a desire to be a coach or a deep level consultant, I was always focused on the one and done. Um, My bumper sticker was get in, get out, get paid. (laughs) So while many of our colleagues, they want to go deep, deep, deep and get those big consulting contracts, that was never my jam. So that means that the only way that I could build a successful, sustainable business is that I had to get the reps in. Right. I had to do that many. I always had two for one spin as my goal, two for one um, uh, ratio. So for every speech I give, I need two more to come of it. And that kept me in business without cold calling. Well, now I just got done sharing with you that I want to do less of that. So if I want to do less speeches on stage, I'm not going to have as many opportunities for two for one spin. How is the revenue ever going to shake out? So I knew the only way I could do it is as whatever I was going to get paid, if I could find a way to earn that same amount, but not do another speech to earn it, then that's what I needed. And most of the time the process begins, I know you're going to ask me questions about this, so I won't just jump into it, but the key is to really be taking control of that sales call and learning what do they need and want beyond a speech. And they may not even know what that is. That's where the creativity comes in because I have to build it, create it, pitch it to get them to want it. And that's a very different sales call than just securing the speech. Wow. So this is a perfect transition into your first tip. So your first tip for speakers on how to rack up more revenue was really analyze your superpower with a monetary measuring stick. So I don't even know where to start with this. What What is a speaker's superpower if it's not delivering a great speech? And what do you mean by measuring it with that monetary measuring stick? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So the first thing is we all better be good at giving a speech. Because that's the (laughs) basis of most of, for most of us. That's what we do in this business, right? That's what we do, right. But all of us also have 
some kind of superpower that you may not have realized is your thing. Something you do that others can't do, or they don't do it as well as you do it. And here's what's interesting. Most often you don't really value your superpower because it comes easy for you. So I'm going to give you my two. And then Tom, I'm going to tell you what yours is. All right. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was thinking, want that, I was thinking, right? I'm not sure what it is, but if you know, that's awesome. I do know because I know you, but here's the deal. Your superpower is usually something that has to do with what your friends come to you for. And even your friends outside this industry, in fact, that's an even better measuring tool than your friends inside the industry. So let me explain. My whole time in corporate business and with my personal friends, people would come to me and say, you're always so good with words. Give me the words to say this. And usually it was an awkward situation they had to confront or or somebody that they had to say no to. It was a, a long series, a, a variety of things that people were like, you always have the right words. Now, I wished that I would have wrote a book called Exactly What to Say, because <laughs> that would have been yeah. a fantastic book to write. And Phil Jones it, was just a guest on Speakernomics about four yeah. weeks ago. And if you haven't heard the episode with Phil Jones, you've got to go back and hear because he talks about how to sell over a million books and talks about his book, which is called Exactly What to Say. Yeah, way to pitch another speaker while I'm trying to work here, Tom. Really, really? No, I love Phil. And when I met Phil the first time and I heard about his book and grabbed a copy of it that he graciously provided, I went, oh my goodness, this is it. I just didn't realize what a superpower words could be. And he's a perfect example of that. He knew his superpower. He used it in sales. I use it in customer service. Words are words. My second superpower is my level of creativity. It comes easy to me. And I think because I can do it, everybody should be able to do it. But I started to realize that wasn't the case. And especially speaker buddies will come to me and say, hey, I have this idea, but I can't quite flush it out. And I really got into that. And I didn't need to do it for pay from speakers because I didn't want to be a coach. But I understood that I should maybe be trying to use the superpower with clients who are willing to pay and who I do want to accept money from. That's what I mean by what's your superpower? And then is there a monetary measuring stick? If my superpower is jumping rope, <laughs> it's probably going to be harder for me to find somebody that wants to pay for that. But most of our superpowers can be translated into something. So you ready to hear what yours is? Well, I am, but I do want to say, and, and I've heard you say this before, and I've heard other people say it about you, that you're almost like an idea incubator. You have this ability <laughs> to see things translated in your head and creatively come up with ideas for other people, but also for yourself, which I will say, most of us have trouble taking that superpower and using it for ourselves. Yeah. But you're really good. You're really good at being that idea incubator. So that's, that's awesome because I can see where we're going to go with this, but let's take a quick detour. What is my superpower? Your superpower is your people skills. You've known that you used your people skills in sales before you came a, became a speaker. When I met you the first time, and I, I know we've shared that story before, but I had heard about you, but hadn't met you. We were both leaving a conference. We were racing for the airport. We were going in opposite directions. And I stopped you and I went, hey, aren't you Tom Singer? And you said, I am. And we had like a three-minute conversation and we had a friendship that was born in three minutes while we were dashing for the airport. And then you said, I'll call you. And you were different than 
than other people and that you actually did it. Some people say, I'll call you, but you did it because you have people skills and you have figured out how to take those people skills and teach others how to network. And you built your entire brand around the idea that you can make a conference different. Even the way you interview people on speakernomics might be different than I would do it if I was hosting because you're using your, your uh, let's chat in a bar routine rather than let me ask you a series of questions. That's a superpower. Awesome. And I think everybody listening probably should either be able to identify their superpower or have a good friend tell you that superpower. Cause I'm already thinking that, yes, that is, that is mine. And I'm already thinking of how else can I use that now? Because I know where we're going with this. So let's go back to this whole idea of unpacking your first tip on analyzing that superpower. What do you mean when we're analyzing that superpower and not thinking of speeches, consulting, cult, coaching, and books? Well, that's where the hard part is. And that's where the idea incubator piece comes in. And in fact, I have to give credit to my bestie speaker friend, Kelly Swanson, who was the first who said, man, you are like an idea incubator. I bring you a half-baked idea. You help me finish baking it. And I said, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. I don't, I don't want to be a coach. I don't want to be a consultant. I put a red light on that right away. And I've got all these reasons why I don't want to do those two jobs. And we don't need to get into that right now. But my point is, I was putting my hands up saying, no, no, no. And then she's the one who twisted it in my brain and said, when you're an idea incubator, you don't have to stick around for the whole journey. People can pay you to basically tap into that creativity. And you can download a whole bunch of creative ideas to them. And then walk away. It is an, it's, it's another version of get in, get out, get paid. But instead of while I'm in giving a speech, I'm in giving ideas. And I don't have any more ownership, Tom. If you and I sat down and I give you a whole bunch of ideas on what to do with your superpower, whether you do or don't do them is not my responsibility. Where if I was your coach or a consultant, I would maintain some of that responsibility, which is why I wouldn't be, make a good coach. But an incubator, take it and go. And that's what I think we're doing when we bring these ideas. And so that was a long answer to your question. How do we analyze is start listening to what people say to you that taps in to your creativity, that taps into, excuse me, your, your superpower. What is it that they're asking for that you have the answers to? So I love the fact earlier that you said, and you start this when you're in the sales call for the speech, you ask questions about who they are, who's in the audience, what are their biggest challenges? Not just, hey, do you need a great customer service speaker? Because if you do hire Lori Guest, you actually say, who are the people, who is your organization and what are the, what are the difficulties that you face? And then you listen. So let's talk about that. And where has this come into play with some of your clients as, as mm-hmm. you look to, to monetizing your idea incubator skills? Here is something really important and probably the most important thing I'm going to say in this interview. So listen up. Here you go. You ready? The first step in a sales call is to close the deal that they originally reached out to you for. There are a lot of us, I think, who might lose deals. I'm included on this where we do too much talking and not enough listening and closing. So step number one, and the example I'm going to give you is a a recent one that I've had. A bureau reached out to me with a keynote opportunity. The sale that needed to be made was closing the keynote for what they were asking for, a one-hour customer service program. So I did that. I closed the deal, 
And we had the verbal commitment of how much, when, and what I was to do. So when I call up the sales call, it's really a two-part process. And I would do this if it hadn't been a bureau as well. Close the deal. Then after a little time has gone by, I might extract that data that you're talking about during the sales call, but I'm not going to pitch my idea at that point. Point. I'm going to go away and percolate. I'm going to incubate it a little while. And then I will reach back out to that client on a sealed deal and say, hey, Tom, you know, when we were talking last week about da, 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 I've got a couple unique ideas for you. I want to bounce them around with you and see if you might want to do something a little different, a little memorable at your event. Does that sound good to you? And you'd be like, oh, yeah, we need something different. And then I will pitch the idea. Nice. If you show no interest at all, this is done. And that happens. I would say out of uh, probably every five times that I pitch something creative, I probably convert two. I'm only about a two for five conversion, making those numbers up out of just out of my gut. But I do not score this every single time because sometimes the Tom on the other end doesn't want anything unique. It sounds too complicated. It just isn't something they want to mess with. Could you just please do the one hour keynote? That is why. I cannot pitch the goof, not goofy is the wrong word, pitch the unique stuff, the unusual stuff, if I haven't secured the deal, because I might lose it all together. Ah, Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And it's like you said, the first goal is get the gig, get the gig. right? That, that's, that's the first, the, the first goal. So then you look for these other things. So what types of things are you suggesting to clients that aren't traditional? The most recent example I have is this one where the bureau sent me for the keynote and I called back a little while later and based on the, the industry, which I don't want to get into the specifics of the industry or the bureau, just out of confidentiality, but this particular industry is not doing virtual selling yet. Yet they wanted a program that talked about getting with the times. How do we get with the times in customer service? And my answer to them was first telling them a story about my father and how we used their industry during the time that his health was failing. And I said, if we could have done virtual purchasing instead of putting him in the car and bringing him all the way to you, he would have bought more and it would have been easier for us. And I don't understand why your industry isn't trying that. And I believe that with a beta tester, I could show them what this would look like, resulting in more revenue for their stores. Is this something they might be interested in? And she went, I am completely intrigued by this idea. Right. So then the rest of the steps fell in place to create a beta. I didn't go all out and build the whole program out or the whole product. I made it 20 minutes of a one hour keynote. So it was a one third and I sandwiched it between two proven segments. So that for those in the audience who didn't want anything to do with this new and creative way of thinking, our legacy owners that say, no way, I don't want to mess with it. I still had two thirds of the program that I could count on would be a home run for them. But the one third program, I was able to pull from that audience, the five stores that say, yep, sign me up. I want to do this. And now I can continue working with them without another speech, but instead showing them how to take this idea and plant it in their stores. That's an example. And this was not consulting. This was actually showing them how. So it was like they were buying a kit on how to go forward Correct. and actually start this new this new type of selling. So it was really a one-off. And if multiple stores bought it, you only had to create it one time. 
Correct. And then we'll customize it and we'll base the fees based on what they want. And again, I'm putting the cart a little bit before the horse because this just happened one week before the time we're making this recording. So if we talk in three months, I would have more data on how successful is this going to be. But it is the most recent example I have of taking what started out as a keynote. And I am making a prediction without jinxing myself that it will probably be worth about three to four times post-event what the gig was originally valued at and I won't be leaving home to do it. That's the goal for me. Now it doesn't mean I want to make sure this is clear to the listeners. I'm not suggesting that everybody should have a goal of stay home more and, and triple their income. That is not what this is. It's about finding your superpower. And what does that look like beyond a spin speech or back of room product sales? And it might be coaching or consulting, but it also could be, what if you made up a game that has to do with networking and it's an actual kit that you are selling to people where you're not even the speaker at the event, but they're doing the Tom Singer networking game that's unique to you. That's an example that comes to mind for your industry. Sure. Sure. No, that, that, that's great. And maybe I have to go create that as soon as we finish recording this episode. So exactly. Lori, your second tip was make sure that you control what you can to create the best environment for that side of stage selling. And so what do you mean by creating, you know, the, what you can control. How do you create the environment to sell them more? Great question. And the first thing is, where is your speech in the lineup of the day? If you have any control at all over that, you want it when there is a break or a meal following you. Because if there's three of us and I'm the first speaker and then you and person X follow me, by the time they get to lunchtime, I am either on my way to the airport if I didn't plan to stick around or I am a faded thought because there's been two more people. So I try and control where I am in the agenda with a built-in nice break following me so that I can make those connections. Or maybe I ask for a table in the exhibit hall, which is how this event was, so that I have two days that I can be there if I feel that it's a value to be present like that. So where I am is one. The second thing is, and in this particular example I've given you, this was the key. The meeting professional in charge of this situation, this entire event, I had spent a lot of time with her ahead of time explaining this unique product and why it should matter to her and the sponsor of my program. Right before I started, she took it upon herself to go into the exhibit hall and get the president, the vice president, and the marketing director of the product that I was promoting. Even though they were my sponsor, you know they don't often come and listen to us. They sponsor us, but they aren't listening. She pulled them into the meeting room and she really strong-armed them into listening. That is the only way that I would get them to understand what this unique concept could do for their entire industry is by having the big people in the room. And I couldn't necessarily do that on my own because I was a stranger to them. So by spending time with the meeting professional, explaining the value, not to me, the value to her people encouraged her to go out and pull them in. Those are the two examples that made this situation work. And there's many others, but it has to do with what can I control? And sometimes they'll say, look, we've got you in the keynote slot. There's three speakers after you. We're not moving you. This is where it needs to be. Then I can go to some of my other asks. And at some point you might just surrender and say, well, it's not going to work. Then I'm going to go to the next cue ball. How can I get their contact info with permission to reach out about this topic? Those types of things that we've all been doing for a long time. 
So I love the fact that you talk about controlling where you fall in the lineup. So often speakers just say, wherever you want to put me, right? It's like, hey, okay, you know, you're, yeah. the, you're the client. Or I've heard people say, I want to be the opener or I want to be the closer. I've never heard people really think through that. Where do I fall in that series? You know, that that chunk of time and wanting to be second or third if they can be right before the break. I've never thought of that before. And I'm like, wow, because for even spinoff of other speeches, one of the greatest things is when people come up to you right after you finish and you talk to them literally side of the stage. And if you're not there at, at a break, then you have to yeah. wait two hours. That might've been a piece of advice that we didn't expect. That's actually brilliant is no matter mm -hmm. what you're trying to sell, even if it's just spinoff business, being right before a break is totally key. So <laughs> I have a question for you. If being this idea incubator, if being able to look at things in industries and go, hey, what about this is such a strong part? Why, why isn't that like an offering on your website? Why doesn't Lori Guest Idea Incubator be an entire product line? Yeah. So a long time ago, I chose customer service. And if that's what I want to continue to do, I have that as my billboard. You only get one billboard for you to fly by at 85 miles an hour. And right now it's customer service. The other thing is, is I believe that if I offer it, it becomes harder to say no to those I don't want to work with. So what's wonderful is when I see an opportunity and an idea comes easy to me and I get excited about it, then I can pitch it when it feels right. But if I put it in, so it's a hidden superpower, but if I put it out there as my billboard, I'm going to get requests to incubate with people that I don't feel the connection or I don't have any ideas percolating and how stressful and frustrating would that be if people want to pay me money and I've just got nothing to work with. So by allowing it to be uh, another metaphor, it's sort of like I've got this great pair of pumps at the shoe store, but they're not in the window. They're in the back. So when your wife comes and she is the perfect person for those pumps, I get to go pull them out of the back and they look shiny and fantastic to her. And why didn't anybody else know about these shoes? Well, because they're pretty expensive shoes and they're only for special people. That's the mindset. None of those words would be chosen, but the mindset is I'm going to pull those special pumps out when the special person appears. Nice. So I love this whole idea of thinking beyond our traditional industry, right? As speakers, we think, oh, I'm a speaker and an author. So I speak and I write books and maybe I do coaching and consulting. I love this idea of you could really sell anything if your superpower comes to that industry. And I love the fact that it's not for everybody right. because you're right. I mean, sometimes even as speakers, we just don't gel with one of our clients, right. you know, to that utmost level. And so for what you're saying, you can't necessarily always do that. So for people who are like, Ooh, I, I like this idea of breaking down the walls, right. Of, 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 uh, of going beyond where can they look for ideas of things they can sell to companies or associations that aren't our traditional things? Where, where can we get the inspiration? Well, I think the inspiration starts with that listening you were talking about early on. I think your clients give you the answer. If you're asking the right questions and you're really listening, here's an interesting sidebar. I had a client the other day tell me that she was so relieved that I wasn't sending her a pre-event questionnaire. I know a lot of us do that. We think it brings us great, great, valuable information for customizing. And I said, I actually don't do that. I just do it verbally over this pre-event call. Um, but tell me, why don't you like them? Because I was real intrigued. I hadn't heard somebody say that. And she goes, I'm so tired of filling them out. Nobody does anything with them. They don't really get to the root of our problem. And I say, 
well, let's go right to it. What is the root of your problem? And then she gives me the answer. She tells me what they're, and all of us know you find the pain, provide the solution. That's sales 101. But if you don't ask a question that takes it down the path, it doesn't really matter to me what other speakers they've had in the past. That's not the root of the problem. It doesn't really matter to me um, some of the political issues that they are having there, unless I'm going to be talking about it. What I really want to know is what are they missing that they wish they had? And that's one of the questions I ask. Feel free to steal it. What is missing right now that you wish you had? And sometimes the answer is somebody has nothing to do with me, but then I can make a referral. You know who you really need is so-and-so. And that's another thing that I do is I watch what other people are doing. What is their superpower that I don't have? And I have a couple of close colleagues right now in NSA that we are a perfect uh, hand in glove match. Uh, I do something he doesn't do and vice versa, but they fit together. So we've done several jobs together, which has been amazing in seeing how we can work together. So that's me using someone else's superpower to help create a bigger booking. So I think that those are several answers all rolled into one. But if I had to put a common bond amongst them, it's the really the listening and not getting robotic with how you do your pre-event calls or your sales calls, where you're just going down this checklist of questions you always ask. We've got to do better. All right. So Lori, my last question for you when it comes to helping people rack up more revenue is what is missing for speakers that you wish that we had? Ah, I wish that speakers were very careful about doing things they think they should do and that everybody else has advised that they do. There's obviously value in all of this, and that's what makes our association great, is there's so many amazing people with helpful advice. But when someone's listening to an interview like this, I want them to pick the one thing that connects with them and go forward with it. So the shortest answer I can give is I want us to be all as unique as we can be. You might look at another speaker and go, I don't know how he ever gets booked. Look how weird that is. Well, it might be weird to you, but to his client base, it is genius. And I think some of the genius things that we've seen, I just sit back and go, oh, I wish I'd thought of it. I mean, I always reference Jay Bear is one guy that comes to mind. If you don't know Jay, follow Jay. And the thing is, he has diversity of income. You know, he's an tequila expert, which has nothing to do with his other business. And he has a whole deal where people can vote what plaid suit he's going to wear. Now, I'm being honest, and I don't know if Jay will ever listen to this thing. But Jay, the first time I saw you in a plaid suit, I thought to myself, and I think I even said it to somebody, what is he doing? Why is he wearing a plaid suit? Look at those colors. And then I find out he's got six or seven custom-made suits. They're nice suits. And the client picks which one. Fabulous. This has nothing to do with his content. But he is an idea incubator in its utmost degree. And that's the type of thing I watch and go, oh, if only I'd thought of it. Uh, That's what I would encourage people to do. Absolutely. Lori, this was so much fun. I can't believe how fast the time went. We are past that half hour mark, so I have to say goodbye here on Speakernomics. But Lori Guest, thank you so much. And congratulations. You are one of the newest members uh, inducted last summer into the Speaker Hall of Fame. And it was such a surprise and such excitement to hear your name called. Uh, because you're such a good friend to me and to so many people. So congratulations on thank you, Speaker Hall of Fame this last year. Appreciate it. Nice. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. You know what? I want you to join us here every single week for more thoughts, 
ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money as a professional speaker. And then always remember the motto of this podcast, speak, get paid, repeat. And in Lori's case, repeat with some really cool different stuff that might be outside of the norm. All right, thank you. We'll see you next week right here on Speakernomics. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.